0: Welcome back for another episode of Counting the Stars. I'm Mary Gillum, and I'm here for morning coffee with my husband Malone Gillum, where we ponder and discuss the big questions of life. Who are we? Why are we the way we are? What is truth and what is fiction? And just as endless as the stars in the sky are, Our exploration never runs out of new questions and discoveries, so grab a cup of coffee for yourself if you like, and join us as we dive into what's unfolding this week. Let's focus in on seeing a little more of life and truth, and do some growing up together as family. Here we go. Well,
1: good morning out there. Hope you're ready. Mary's got something awesome to talk about this morning.
0: <laughs> well, thank you very much for that trust and faith. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so far today, I've been just uh, kind of s- slowing down my mind, you know, how when you wake up and your mind can just race to, okay, what am I doing today? What's What do I need to accomplish? And... What have I been stewing about? You know, you can go straight to those places, but um, one of the reasons I love to go to the porch in the morning, first thing with coffee and just sit with the cats, is that it takes me, it is an environment that reminds me to come back to simplicity and to interact with the present moment and just breathe and kind of slow that automatic mindset down. Mm -hmm. So that's where I've been. Very happy with it. (laughs) And it's fun this week because there are a couple of special things happening. Number one, it's Holy Week. So it's a different kind of week in the church that takes us to um, hopefully a special place Um, we can talk about what that, what we can just break down the word Holy Week (laughs) for hours and talk about that. Um, but our, also the other special thing is our youngest daughter is home for spring break from boarding school. So it's just so fun to have her here and our senior in high school is here. And so it was a great, um, opportunity for me to just slow down my own schedule and keep things really simple and just enjoy my people.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> so if we were going to take the expression Holy Week and, and describe it to someone who had no experience in liturgy or terminology of the church. How would we do that?
1: Well, that's a good question. Um, so, in my mind, I think the the simplest way, and it really is, and to me, the the heart of the issue is. So everything is coming to a climax, right? This is going to be the um, the big moment, if you will. So things have been progressing from in Jesus' ministry and life up to this point. Um, and everything he's been saying and doing have prepared us for this moment because in everything he says and he does this week is going to look the same. Um, And what I mean by that is yesterday, Palm Sunday, is the day that the crowds welcomed him into Jerusalem as their king. And as I mentioned uh, to the congregation yesterday, you know, once you begin to hail somebody as king and welcome them into the city of Jerusalem, they realize that there is conflict that is going to happen because Rome is in charge. And, you know, Rome's not just going to walk away. So um, they understand that this means confrontation, but they want a restoration of their kingdom from when David was king. And the week unfolds, with Jesus doing anything but fulfilling their expectations. So while they're looking for a forceful encounter and triumph and victory and uh, kind of uh, redemption of their identity and character, Jesus allows himself to be arrested and humiliated and executed as a criminal. And of course, we know that these crowds—they turn on him, you know. Later in the week, is it's like you're not the one fulfilling uh, our expectations. So Holy Week really is a week in which we have expectations of what kingdom and kingship and authority look like, and Jesus has been telling us all along, if the greatest are those who serve. And if you want to be great, you become as a child. And this week he shows us in no uncertain terms that he is here to serve and not to be a tyrant. And he allows the very worst to be done to him as a show of uh, love from God. And part of that love is to show us that he respects our Dignity and freedom to make choices, even if that choice is to humiliate and kill him and he'll never abandon us. I think that's what Holy Week is really all about.
0: Yeah. That can be in um, direct contrast to maybe what people have experienced through religion in the past as well. Um, I love that, this Holy Week and the Easter happens at this time in our seasons because, you know, there is a momentum in nature right now that's almost, you can almost put it side by side with this momentum of Holy Week. Because if you live, you know, we're in eastern North Carolina and literally the trees and the flowers are just exploding into bloom but it's but it's not by force no one's strangling the bush to explode it's just this natural momentum towards beauty Mm -hmm. um and so i love to think of this momentum as as horrific as jesus's physical experience becomes at the end of the week on good friday it's it's a momentum towards incredible beauty and love
1: yeah the links that god goes to to show solidarity with us is uh, if we're willing to contemplate it will take our breath away this week This does, we've talked about this before, it does come down to our uh, our own lenses, though. Um, you know, Holy Week is as beautiful or vengeful as you want it to be. Uh, it's it, it really rests on the foundation of how you see God and the universe that He's created uh, as it's either... Our lives are about hostility, or they're about goodness and beauty, as Mary said. Mm. Not that everything is beautiful that we see out there. We certainly see some tragic things. But what is the what is the nature of our God? And how you answer that question is how you're going to experience Holy Week. Um The thing that I rest in is regardless of how you answer that question, regardless of how I answer that question, I trust that the Holy Spirit is at work um, in changing us into something more beautiful and good. So uh, even within that freedom, um, God is not left with his hands tied, he's using everything that we do, our choices to bring about good.
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. I think, gosh, it's just so critical. And sometimes I feel like I take for granted, you know, my formation in general, as a child in the church, I took away basically two simple things that, that, God was generally good and that he loved me. And not everybody starts from that foundation. What I, what I had to, um, what I had to engage with in my spiritual journey was that he wasn't distant or far off. And so that was, um, you know, that's been a huge, uh, pleasure for me to discover that there is no separation, there is no distance between me and God. That and and that's you know such a great accomplishment that Jesus carried out during Holy Week was to erase the the power of that lie that there is separation between us and God. And for us to fully enjoy the the union that we have with God, so just that—I mean, it's—it's it, it's so hard for me to come up with words to describe that and to explain it, and because it's not really logical that we should be. Um, intimately walking out our life with divine. And even those words sound like, who can relate to that? You know, I'm always looking for words like, how how do you describe this? Um... How can you explain to someone who, especially all their lives, have felt alone and isolated and or even been taught that God is usually displeased and judgmental? How do you begin to to help and to open the eyes of people?
1: Well, I think that's... Well one of the things that Holy Week can do for us, but again, it is going to depend on how open you are to seeing what is unraveling during this week, because again, you can come at this as it's totally about, um, a legalistic, you know, somebody's got to pay type thing. And I understand that, that, theory perfectly well. Uh, I used to preach it. So, but, you know, Jesus on the cross, he looks down with compassion. So number one, after everything that's just happened to him, which is to be flogged and uh, humiliated and he's up there dying and to actually then look down at the people who have done this to him or are ridiculing him um, or standing by and doing nothing because they're scared. He has compassion for them. Number one, that speaks volumes. Mm -hmm. Um, And then to say, father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Now, the way I understand that is not that he's trying to convince his father to forgive them, because I believe Jesus and the father are exactly the same. I think the father already harbors forgiveness. I think he says it for their benefit. That's why it's written down. I think he says that to blow their minds, that he could actually say, you're doing this to me, and yet I'm not holding this against you, because you don't know what you're doing. Um, How often have we been in that same situation doing something incredibly stupid? We think we're doing the right thing, but we don't know what we're doing. And boy, is it good to have someone who stands with us and beside us in solidarity through all of those moments um, that says, you know, we're going to work through this. And that's what I think is that union, or there's no separation. I mean, it's um, you can't get rid of God's presence wanting to help you thrive in life.
0: Mm.
1: You can work against it, but you can't get rid of it.
0: Yeah, it brings to mind just the word faithful. And what a demonstration that is of Jesus to, in that moment of ultimate suffering and rejection, to demonstrate his faithfulness to humanity, despite it all. You know, if he did it then, it then that's the way he is. You can take that as he will continue to be that and do that even more so. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, just taking the word faithful in today's culture and asking yourself, well, what what does that mean to me? How, how deep does that go? I guarantee you that Jesus, as faithful, goes much deeper.
1: <laughs> yeah, no doubt. The only other thing I'm thinking right now— uh, just as it's one of these details of the story that maybe we pass by or we don't think much of, and I'll just throw it out there is if this is about uh, what I mentioned earlier payment, you know, somebody's got to pay. So it's going to be Jesus on behalf of humanity in order to satisfy, um, some justice in the cosmos, if that's the way we think of Holy Week, then the undoubted hero of the week, other than Jesus, is Judas. I mean, he seems to be the only one who is moving in that direction. But he's, he's called a betrayer. Jesus says, he, someone's going to betray me go do what you've got to do and then in the book of acts so after all of this he is uh, also called as a betrayer well if he's doing the right thing he's not betraying and I, noticed, I think we overlooked that point you know if if actually he's precipitating what needs to happen that's not a betrayal that's like that's Initiation, or that's a, you know, he's doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. And so just the use of words somehow can unravel the way we look at what's going on because he certainly is not a betrayer if this is the thing that needs to happen. Mm-hmm. But even in that, Judas is included in the Father, they don't know what they're doing, forgiveness.
0: Yes. And if he's included, then we're all included. Yeah. (laughs) As offensive as that is to some people.
1: (laughs) Holy Week has got amazing depth and mystery, and uh, it's more to be experienced than to be defined, although we've spent some time kind of unpacking things here, but that doesn't really get at it. It's it's a week to behold the amazing, good, and forgiving, and merciful, and loving, and beautiful nature of God. Um, more than almost anywhere else. I, I mean, you could also say Christmas. I mean, in the incarnation and this week are the two huge manifestations of God saying, I'm for you.
0: That's great. And you can take it right back to to nature this week. You can take some time out and just look at God within his creation and look at a beautiful tree or beautiful bush and watch that graceful blooming process in actual time and just sit and enjoy.
1: And I'll just leave this as the closing thought. Just as, at least I believe this, just as God has a hand in that dogwood tree or those azaleas or whatever, the daffodils blooming, that that cycle of life comes from him. Do we have the ability to trust that that cycle's happening in us? Mm-hmm. And and that it's not up to us any more than it's up to the daffodil or the dogwood. There's something going on. And do we trust the faithfulness of God that there is a cycle of uh, resurrection and life uh, that's working in us, even if we sometimes can't see it?
0: Mm-hmm. And is its it... Is it possible to believe a little bit more that all that God is actually present on the inside of you doing that I mean literally present on the inside of you
1: that's the mystery of holy week
0: (laughs) off we go thanks for sharing your time with us today We hope you feel encouraged and included in all of these discussions. Above all, we really want you to know that you matter. And we're all really just one big family. So until next week, keep noticing your stars. Enjoy your freedom to explore life and just take it one step at a time. Peace.